and he talks about those who are unfaithful. He talks about those who are naughty, and he talks about those who are nice. When you look at, at what is taking place, there is something that jumped off the pages into my heart uh, this week, and it was a question. The question is this, what will we be remembered for? I want you to allow that question to just truly sink into the recesses of your heart this morning. What will I be remembered for? What will my legacy be? Some of you uh, this morning are early in your journey. Uh, some of us are halfway or beyond halfway. Some of you are um, in the latter quarters of your life. What will we be remembered for? What is our legacy? Take your Bible, and with that question in mind, if you would, stand with me this morning, and I will read our text, 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 9. The Bible says, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Cretans for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia, and only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Antiochus, I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak. Go get my coat that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, and especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words." At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. What will you be remembered for? What will your legacy be? What will I be remembered for? What will my legacy be? Let's pray together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we bow before you. And Father, we thank you so much that we can be right here, right now. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would speak through this word. God, I pray that you would help me get out of the way. God, would you give me clarity of thought? These things this week that I have read and prayed over, I pray, God, that I'll be able to communicate these things this morning. Father, I pray that when we walk out of this church house, that that question, Lord Jesus, would be dancing in our hearts today. What will I be remembered for? We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. 
there are two things that I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture this morning. First of all, I want us to notice together Paul's request. Paul's request, and we're not going to spend much time on verse 9, but I do want you to notice this because it's the launching pad for this Sunday and next Sunday. Paul writes to Timothy and says, Be diligent to come to me quickly. Be diligent to come to me quickly. I believe what he is saying is this. Do your best. He's writing to Timothy and he's saying, listen, don't delay. Don't hesitate. Uh, Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Exert every effort. If we were writing or we were talking, we would say it like this. Hurry up and get here. We would say, leave now, leave your house now, warm your camel up, it's time to get here, I need you, hurry up and get here. When you look at this passage of Scripture, I believe there are two reasons, two main reasons that, that he's writing like this, that, that this request is, is so urgent. First of all, I believe it's a personal reason. Um, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, And verse 20, that there's no one like-minded like Timothy. There's no one like Timothy in my life. No one like-minded. No one equal-souled. What he's saying is this. We go together like Abbott and Costello. We go together like Batman and Robin. We go together uh, like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. We, We go together like... Peanut butter and jelly. We go together like Brother T and Cracker Barrel. Amen? We go together. I mean, we just go together. We're like-minded. We can finish each other's sentences. That's what he is saying. I believe it's a very personal reason. Timothy, I just miss you. Hurry up and get here. But I believe there's another reason. I believe that there's a practical reason. Um, He had left his coat with Carpus at Troas. Winter was approaching. The prison was cold. And he's saying, hey, listen, go get that coat. I left my coat. Go get that thing. It would be like us this week if you left your umbrella somewhere. Amen? If you left your umbrella. You'd need that umbrella or rowboat or jet ski or something this week. If you left it, I guarantee you'd go back and get it. He wanted his coat, that big wool blanket kind of material. He wanted it. And so it's a very personal reason. It's a very practical reason. But listen carefully. I want you to think about this. It was not an easy request. Rome is not the place that believers wanted to be in that day. Nero was on the warpath. He hated Christ. He hated Christians and he hated the church. And so Rome would be like this. You've watched as hurricane evacuations take place and and everybody on the highways heading out of town and one storm chaser is heading into town. It sort of be like that. All the believers wanted to get out of town. But Timothy, I want you to come to town. It wasn't an easy request, but Paul said, Timothy, would you please, would you be a friend, and would you come to Rome? 
I miss you. So we see Paul's request. And then secondly, and where we're going to spend our time this morning, we see Paul's reflection, or he's reminiscing. Notice what it says in verse 10. He says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas has forsaken me. That word forsaken means Demas has abandoned me. Demas has deserted me. He has left me in the lurch. Uh, He has let me down. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever let someone down before? Just let them down? Uh, This week... I went to Subway, the new Subway on Highway 58. And I was ordering, going to take something home. And I just I was using my debit card. And I said to the two young men that were there, one was my sandwich artist and the other one was ringing me up. I looked and I said to them, I said, can I put a tip on my debit card? And they said, well, our system will not allow that. I said, oh, okay. And then they looked, and, and there was a, uh, a little mason jar type glass, and they pointed and they said, but you can put some cash right here in this tip jar. Well, I'm a millennial, and I don't carry cash. Well, I'm not a millennial, but I, I hang around with Luke now, and I don't carry cash. Of course, I know I've left, I've lost all my millennials because you're trying to Google Abbott and Costello. So, so, and so, but... But I didn't have any cash with me. And so they, they were just, they were so happy. It was the first week this place was open, and they really did a great job on my sandwiches. And they, they just pointed, they, you can put some cash there. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't have any cash with me. But I was in my wallet, and, and I had two $100 bills from Jamaica. They were 100 J's, two of them. And so I just, I thought, this will be neat. This this will be cool. And so I took them out of my wallet and I said, here, I don't have any American, but here's this. And I just handed it to them and they saw $100 and their eyes got about that big. Oh, sir. They called me sir. Oh, sir. This is wonderful. This is so neat. Can we spend it here? And as I got my bag of food, I was backing out. I said, no, I'm sorry, you can't spend it here. And they just sort of looked at me like, why'd you give it to me? And, and as I was backing out, they said, well, if we ever get to Jamaica, how much is it worth? And as I left, I said, less than a dollar. And I took off running. <laughs> I just, I glanced back and they were crestfallen. I mean, they were so discouraged. I'm not kidding. I have twice this week pulled through the parking lot. I want to tip them really in American money, but they haven't been back. I hope they didn't quit. But anyway, they, I let them down. Have you ever let, have you ever let somebody down? Paul was broken hearted. Paul was broken hearted in, in, in prison. He's there and he's thinking, How did Demas do this? 
You see, because this is not the first time that Demas is mentioned in Scripture. In Philemon chapter 1 and verse 24, it says that he is a fellow laborer. There's a list of men there, and he is a fellow laborer. He is a part of the team. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 14, Listen, in that passage of Scripture, he is mentioned alongside of of Luke, the beloved physician. Luke and Demas greet you. He is part of the team. He, He has seen incredible things. But now it says he's forsaken. Church, listen. What will your legacy be? What will you be remembered for? Demas has forsaken me. And then it tells why. Why? Because he loved, back to our text, he loved this present world. He had passion for this present world. He he enjoyed the pleasures of this present world, the power and the prestige and and the possessions of this present world. He was running to those things instead of running to the things of Christ. He, he, He abandoned. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15, to listen to these words. Very familiar words. But listen to these words. 1 John 2 and verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does does the will, he who does the will of God, what? Abides forever. John is writing as this, that one world will pass. One world will last. Which world am I living for? Which world are you living for? What will I be remembered for? What will you be remembered for? How will we be remembered? Demas, he forsook me. He abandoned me. And then he mentions two other men. In verse 10, he mentions two other men. He says, Cretans to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Now, Cretans was a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. We have a lot of behind-the-scenes kind of fellows and ladies here at White Oak, just behind the scenes. This is the only time that he's mentioned in Scripture, the only time. And then Titus is mentioned several places, and he took off to Dalmatia. And what we sense from this passage is this. Both of these men left with Paul's approval. They left with his blessing. They left with his consent. He doesn't say anything negative about them. One behind the scenes, the other used in remarkable ways, but both going to different areas of ministry, it seems. And then he says this, Only Luke, 
is left with me. Only Luke is with me. When I look at the life of Luke, Luke is a faithful man of God. He's a humble man of God. He was with Paul all the time. If you look at the book of Acts, and you know Luke wrote the book of Acts, and he wrote the gospel according to Luke. In the book of Acts, he mentions over and over that we said this, we journeyed there, we went here. He was including himself in a very humble way. Luke was, Luke was just a faithful man. And he stuck with he stuck with the apostle. How will I be remembered? And then he mentions a guy by the name of John Mark. I want you to look at, at what he says here in, in our text. Notice what he says in verse 11. Only Luke is with me. He said, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. When I look at Mark, who is called John Mark, this is what comes to my heart. Listen very carefully. I'm so glad, church, that I serve the God of the second chance. Amen? I'm so glad that I serve the God of the second chance. John Mark was involved in the first missionary journey. He saw things that none of us have ever seen. He traveled with Paul. He traveled with Barnabas. Barnabas was his cousin. But at some point, John Mark left. I don't know if he was afraid. Maybe he was just afraid. Maybe the, the journey was difficult and then... He looked at the mountains that were ahead and, and he knew it would be even more difficult. Possibly he was just homesick and won't go home to mama. Some have said that at the first missionary journey, Barnabas, his cousin, was in the forefront and he was leading things. And then by the end of the journey, Paul had stepped forward and John Mark didn't like that at all. And so he looked at him and he said, I'm out of here. But whatever happened, Mark left. John Mark left. I want you to read with me about how this affected Paul. Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 36. Listen to these words. Acts 15 and verse 36. The Bible says this, Then after some days Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. And now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. 
it was so sharp that, that the, the great missionary team split. The contention was so sharp that they split. We've all blown it though, haven't we? Mark blew it. He, he left, but we all have. I remember David Livingston, a great preacher of yesteryear. The first time David Livingston got up to preach, he opened his Bible and he looked at the congregation and this is what he said. This was his first message. He said, I have forgotten everything that I planned to say. He closed his Bible and went and sat down. That was his first sermon. Robert Moffat encouraged him or he may not have ever gotten back in the pulpit again. David Livingston became a great preacher. But his first sermon out of the chute was a dud. But we've all been there, have we not? We've all blown it, have we not? Aren't you glad, church? Aren't you glad that the Bible says over in the book of Jonah that the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time? Amen? The second time? I'm so glad this morning that our God is the God of the second chance. Hey, and the third chance, and the fourth chance, and the fifth chance. He just keeps on giving chances. Because our God is a God of grace. Our God is a God of grace. Some of us have needed multiple chances. Let me rephrase that. All of us have needed multiple chances. Every one of us. John Mark can you imagine this reconciliation? Here in 2 Timothy, as, as Paul writes, and he says, listen, go get. I love that word in the Greek. It says this, when you leave the house, go pick up Mark. Go get him. Go get Mark, John Mark. Why? Because he is useful to me for ministry. Something had happened. He's beneficial to me. He's helpful. He's valuable. Go get him. Go get him. I absolutely love that. And this morning, maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, that's where I am. I am in need of a second chance. Our God's the God of the second chance. He really is. Then the Bible says in verse 12, if you'll notice, the Bible says in verse 12, Antiochus, I have sent to Ephesus. Would you look at that? Let's read that verse together. I'm going to say something about that verse. Look at verse 12. It's on your screen. Let's, let's look at the screen. Let's read that together. Antiochus, I have sent to Ephesus. Say it one more time. Antiochus, I have sent to Ephesus. You know what blesses my blesser about that verse right there? Paul's in prison, and he's turned prison into a Mission headquarters. Because that word sent is not this, I sent him out for ice cream. That's not what it means. It means I've sent him on a mission. I've sent him with a purpose. I've sent Tychus to Ephesus. Tychus is mentioned in the book of Colossians. He's mentioned in Ephesians and he's mentioned in Titus. He is called a beloved brother. 
He's called a faithful minister, a fellow servant. I mean, Tychus is a man of God that is an incredible man of God. Cretans is mentioned only here. But aren't you glad that we're all a part of one team? Aren't you glad? We're on the same team. I remember reading about Stacy King, who played for the Chicago Bulls. I remember reading about him, and he was in a game where Michael Jordan went off and scored 69 points. Stacy King scored one point, a foul shot, one point. They interviewed him on television afterwards. They said, What are you going to always remember about this game? And Stacy King said this. He said, I'm going to always remember about this game that this is the game that Jordan and I poured in 70 points. That's what he said. I like that. I like that. That's teamwork. Some of us are up front. Some of us are like Christians behind the scenes. How will we be remembered? Christians was so faithful that he is placed in a letter that I'm reading this morning. How will I be remembered? What is my legacy like? I want you to look as he continues here in this roll call. Notice what it says in verse 13. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus, by the way, the only time his name is mentioned as well, at Troas, when you come, and the books, and especially the parchments. That's a beautiful verse, isn't it? You know what Paul does? He gives Timothy a list. Men, have your, has your wife ever given you a list for the grocery store? <laughs> Some things are hard to find. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, cream of tartar is not near the fish sticks. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's not. I never will forget one day I looked for 40 minutes for cream of tartar. It's on the spice aisle. I was looking near the fish sticks. There's a lot of things that are hard to find. And men, we need, hey, we need notes. Hallelujah. We do. Last Sunday, we had a fellowship after church bringing finger foods for this precious couple right here. And Leslie made a platter of pimento cheese sandwiches about that big right there. And uh, she said, don't forget those. And then she said this, do I need to make a note? <laughs> i got a memory like an elephant. What are you talking about? No sugar, num num. I don't need no note. I've been eating pimento cheese sandwiches all <laughs> week long. All week long. I'm sick of pimento cheese sandwiches. Sick of them. <laughs> it's because we're not here, brother. Hey, listen, we need a note. We need a list. And Paul looked and he said, listen, go get my coat. It's going to get cold. Winter's on the way. Go get my coat. And while you're at it, go get my books and go get my parchments. I love the fact that Paul is at the end of his life and he's still a student. Amen? 
He's at the end of his life, yet he still wants to learn the things of God. Oh, that we never get to the point in our lives where we think we know it all. Paul said, go get it. Love that. Then in verse 14, he mentions someone else. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. How would you like that on your tombstone? It's right here in the Bible. Is it in your Bible? Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Woo! My soul. That sounds like one of those imprecatory psalms where Paul says, Get him, God. David was a member of a motorcycle gang. I guarantee you, before he got saved, he, he, he often wrote, he said, Get him. Here Paul says, Listen, Repay him. Alexander, the coppersmith, he did me much harm. Repay him according to his works. Verse 15, you also must beware of him. Oh, why? That word beware means keep your eyes open. Keep an eye on him. Don't let him get out of your eyesight. Why? Because it says here, he greatly resisted our words. That word resisted means he opposed. He stood up against the word of God that was being proclaimed. And in the Greek language, it's it's this, a face-to-face confrontation. He stood up and it was a face-to-face confrontation. He greatly resisted and so beware of This is written from a pastor's heart. It's sad when a pastor has to to have these kinds of thoughts. Keep your eye out for so-and-so. Because they've resisted the truth. How will I be remembered? Will I be a Demas that was a part of the team but it walked off, walked away from the things of God. And maybe this morning someone is desperately close to that. Used to be very involved. But you're about to abandon. Are you like accretions? Are you behind the scenes? Are you a Luke? Do you say, man, I'm faithful. I'm not just a pew warmer, I'm I'm faithful. Are you this morning, are you a John Mark? Are you in desperate need of a second chance? God knows your heart. He knows my heart. In the 40s, Two men began to preach. In the 40s, two men began to preach and they were filling stadiums. They started with Youth for Christ. And they were filling stadiums and hundreds were coming to Christ. You know one name, his name is Billy Graham. 
Billy Graham was one of the men, but another man was thought of during that time as a better orator. Speaking, he, he was more gifted. Results seemed to be even more coming in. But what happened in Chuck Templeton's life is this. He began to have doubts about the Word of God. He began to have doubts about the Word of God, and he would have conversations with his friend Billy Graham. He looked at Graham one time and he said, If you believe this is authoritative and there are no errors, you are committing intellectual suicide. Billy Graham just kept on preaching the Word. Chuck Templeton kept preaching but continued to have doubts. He went to seminary and continued to have doubts. And then in his life, he absolutely walked away. He walked away from preaching. He walked away from the ministry. He walked away from it all. He wrote one of the saddest books that I've ever read called Farewell to God. Farewell to God. Chuck Templeton was interviewed by Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel was an atheist at one time and began searching out the truth and he came to Christ. And he interviewed Chuck Templeton. Chuck Templeton began to talk about Jesus. And this is what he said. He said, as a person, he was the greatest person that ever lived. Had all kinds of incredible qualities. And this is what he said. And he teared up and he choked up and he said, And to be honest with you, I miss him. But then he cleared his throat and he got back to his stance. He believed in Jesus as a person that lived. But he could not believe in Jesus as the Savior. If you read about the end of his life, it was a sad, sad ending to his life. And probably seven or eight minutes ago when I mentioned his name, 95% of you didn't even know his name. But in the 40s, he was more popular than Billy Graham. What will I be remembered for what will my legacy be what about you our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed we're going to have a time of invitation we're going to have a time of invitation and I want you to search your heart The Holy Spirit is moving in, in this place. I want you to search your heart this morning. Because some of you are here. 
And like Demas, you used to be very involved. But slowly you've drifted. And if you don't watch it, you're going to go after this present world. Some of you are like Luke and you're faithful. Thank God for that. You're humble. Others of you are like John Mark. And you're seated in this place right now and you're in desperate need of a second chance. This altar is open. This altar is open and you ought to come and get on bended knee. Some of you may be like Alexander the coppersmith. You're resisting. Maybe subtly, but you're resisting. Very quietly, very reverently, would you stand? Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Stand all over this auditorium. And I'm going to pray, and right after I pray, I'm begging you this morning to respond to God. I've lived with this passage all week long. This roll call. I've lived with it all week long, and the question that came out of your pastor's heart is this question, what will my legacy be? This altar is open. We're going to sing. If you want to come and give your heart to Christ, if you want to come this morning and spend some time at this altar, if you want to join this fellowship, I invite you to come. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we bow before you and we thank you so much for your word. I pray, Father, that you would just be with us, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.